You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church San Diego. For more information on our church, go to c3sandiego.com. Today, I declare victory. I speak victory over myself, my family, my future. The greatest days are ahead of me. I walk in your favor today, tomorrow, and forever. This year, all I did was win. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come on. Uh, Am I the only one? Listen, I I want you just to close your eyes for a second. Megan Ann was up here in a velvet velour dress. Close your eyes. Be real quiet. Listen to this music behind me. Is that not loungy music? You're just getting in this groove. I was on the front row, and I'm like, they are so groove and cool up here. I couldn't even pay attention. I missed every announcement. I don't even know what the tide message was, except my wife looked cute, because I was just staring at my wife, listening to this lounge music, going, if there was a fireplace up there, I'd bust open a bottle of wine, sit with my wife, right here. All right, you guys are good. You guys are maybe too good. Maybe too good. Wow. All right. You guys can be seated. I love you guys. I'm so... This is my last preach of this decade. And I didn't want to bring, like, you know... We all... Pastor Jurgen says, be ready in all seasons. So, you know, just in case, I always have this nightmare that he calls me on the way up and says, oh, my gosh, I'm surfing. I totally forgot I'm supposed to preach this morning. So I had that preach. It's like a shock. It's just waiting there ready to go. And I literally was about to pull it out because I was like, man, what the heck? And then a good friend of mine called me literally on Thursday and left me a message. And he quoted me the exact scripture that I'm preaching from today. And I called him and I said, you know how you can do those voice recordings now? So it's so much better than texting. And uh, I called him, I said, bro, do you know what I'm preaching on? He goes, how would I know what you're preaching on? I just felt you needed an encouraging word, so I just dropped that on you. And I said, oh, that was a sign straight from heaven. I'm not gonna pull out the one I had ready. I'm just gonna suck it up. So I went and grabbed a straw out of the (laughs) counter, and I put it in my drink and said, suck it up, Hubbard. We're preaching it, and we're gonna have fun doing it. It's gonna be awesome. And then the guy that I had coming out to do this little thing this morning called me. He goes, you won't believe it. But I'm like, no, I'm still gonna do it anyway. So... Rule number 10, anybody know what it is? Have fun. Don't forget it. Some of you people need to remind your face. Rule number 10. (laughs) So listen, the revelation came around this. Jesus came to give us life and life more. Okay. Jesus came to give us life and life more. Now, I want you to really get this word going into 2020, because I need this to be true for our lives. We got to inspire some Christians that forgot that part. They got that Jesus came to save our life, and we'll have eternal life with him. And while we're here, the rest of our life, it's going to (laughs) suck. Just telling you, John 10.10, it says, the thief does not come except to steal 
and to kill and destroy. And I think Christians stop reading after that because it says, and I have come, that means my king, that they, that means you and me, may have life. And that they, that means you and me, I'm gonna say it again, may have it more abundantly. I just need you to visualize real quickly, what does your life look like if it was more abundant? Can you see it? Because if you can't see it, what are you walking into? What are you laying out in front of you that you are visualizing what that word abundantly means? If you can't visualize it for yourself, can you see someone that you think is living life to the full? I need you to be inspired this morning that Jesus hung on a cross. I mean, it's coming around his birthday. Easter will be the hanging on the cross part. But I want us really to understand, man, we are supposed to have life and life more abundantly and not just read the thief part of it. That's what today. And what I really want you to understand, since 1999, this is a real stat, there's been 33% increase in suicide in the church and outside of the church. 33% increase. Since 2006 until currently right now, that trend is even higher. And here's the truth. They're not releasing this stat. Isn't that fascinating? I have some figures, but it's not fact but it's way higher than 33% since 2006. And I find it interesting they're not releasing it. You know why? Because it's now an epidemic. It is now a crisis situation and the church has gone crickets, but not C3. Our pastors rage against that stuff. They're not politically correct, but I'll tell you what, they are passionate about Jesus and they're passionate about Jesus's kids. And so sometimes they're ruffling some feathers because they do not want to be the church that's quiet around this subject because the church is back down and then they just justify it to the point now we have pastors that are taking their lives. And it's absolutely one of those things that where's the church? Where's the not today, devil? And not just the t-shirt. So God has given us a kingdom template. It's God's template. And what I really want to do to te today is just teach you God's template. You know, the, the title of my message is My King. Do you know him? There was a pastor that wrote a scripture. He preached out of a Calvary Baptist church right here in San Diego, one of the largest churches. And he wrote this thing called My King. I was going to have my friend come perform it, but things happened. So I decided to dig up an old profile so I'm going to play it for you. Can I do that? I just want you to hear about my king real quick. Can you guys roll my king? Listen to it. My king was born king. The Bible says he's a seven-way king. He's the king of the Jews. That's a racial king. He's the king of Israel. That's a national king. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. Now that's my king. Well, I wonder if you know him. Do you know him? 
let me introduce you to him. My king is the only one whom there is no means of measure can define his limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his shoreless supplies. No barriers can hinder from pouring out his blessing. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortal, graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. That's my king. He's God's son. He's the sinner's savior. He's a centerpiece of civilization. He stands alone in himself. He's awesome. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's the miracle of the age. He's a superlative of everything good that you choose to call him. He's the only one able to supply all of our needs simultaneously. He supplies strength to the weak. He's available to the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He foreguards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. He beautifies the meek. Well, my king is the king of knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. He's the master of the mighty. He's the captain of the conquerors. He's the head of the heroes and he's the leader of the legislators. He is the overcomer of the overcomers. He is the governor of governors. He's the prince of princes. He is the king of kings and he is the lord of lords. That's my king. His office is manifold. His promise is sure. His light is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting and his love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Well, I wish I could describe him to you, but he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible, invincible. He's irresistible. I'm trying to tell you that the heaven of heavens can't contain him, let alone a man explain him. You can't get him out of your mind and you can't get him off your hands. You can't outlive him and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witness couldn't get their testimonies to agree. Kerry couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. That's my king. He's always been and will always be. I'm talking about he had no predecessor and he'll have no successor. There was no one before him and there'll be no one after him. You can't impeach him and he's not going to resign. That's my king. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. All the power belongs to my king. We're trying to get prestige and honor and glory for ourselves. But let me tell you, the glory is all his. Yes, thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever. If you believe it, stand on your feet and let us shout a praise. And ever and ever and ever. Come on. Thine is the kingdom and the power. Come on. Some of you just need to play that every morning. I'm telling you, come on, what a word. That's Pastor Mark Peterson. Did that in 2007. I've been begging him to do it every year since. But how many know I got it on repeat? I'm telling you, sometimes the enemy comes to intimidate you. What do you got? You got to be reminded of the devil who he is. He's defeated. He's broken. I'm telling you, if you wake up to that every morning, you know who your king is. A lot of people say the name of Jesus, some in context, some out of context, but do you know he's your king? He's my king. Do you know him? I'll tell you if you know him because you're living a life that reflects him. We're not perfect. 
but we're made in the image and the likeness. And so you have to wonder, how do I get in more alignment every day to that? Because if you can just get infused with the revelation of my king, our fruit will look different. How we're walking our life out will look like the abundant life that I'm talking about. So what's the template? I wanna give us this template today. It's really how to live the abundant life using God's template. Number one, believe what God says. Do it his way, and I want you to write this down. Matthew 6.33. Probably gonna say it 10 times this morning, but I want you to write it down, and we're really gonna go through it. But believe what God says. Do it his way, and we'll explain that. Number two, know what we decide. We give life meaning. So God is a God of order. You're in order or you're not. You get to decide. So if we're using God's template, we then have a choice. We're either gonna live it or we're not. So I'm gonna give it to you today, and then you just gotta see if you're gonna line up to it. That's how easy this is. And number three, know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Just to give you three quick reasons why you should know, it's power, authority, and eternity is why you should know Jesus. See, I, I know a lot of people in the world that live point one and point two, but they don't know Jesus. But they're living under that same blessing because they understand the principles. So they're living and their life shows financial breakthrough, great marriage. I know lots of, one of my closest friends, you know, he's a billionaire. He's not one of my closest friends. He needs to be, I was prophesying. <laughs> he's a friend of mine. He has an epic marriage. My wife and I want to emulate their marriage. He's a billionaire. I wouldn't mind implementing that in my life. But he's read the Bible a lot of times, but he says, yeah, if Christians don't believe it, why should I? I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, oh, half my Christian friends don't even live it. My life's pretty good. Yeah. So a lot of them know Jesus for the eternity part but they don't know Jesus for the power and the authority part. Does that make sense? I was raised that way. I wanna know, can we live Jesus and know Jesus? He's my king with power and authority, so my life is a reflection of power and authority, and eternity is my forever bonus. Faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these shall be I wanna give you back to that point too. Hope comes with the meaning we give it. You don't take your life unless you lose. They haven't even got to the greatest of these, which is love. So how are we showing that we, this church, is the greatest hope dealership in in America? Are we? I think we are. I wanna tell you, 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So know this, imago Dei is the Latin version of the Bible translated in English to mean the image of God. That's how we were created, to live and walk in that imago Dei. We were created. And it says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. In James 3, 9, I like starting at seven, it says, for every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. Be careful what we say. It is a restless evil, but a full of deadly poison. With it, 
we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse the people who are made in the likeness of God. So if we're not careful with this, we create our future, which is why we can sidetrack and not be living in the image. We're created in the image, but this can take us out of what we speak over that. In Colossians 3.10, it says, and put on a new self, put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Just want to try to give you some resources here so it's just not like a one-off verse. It's all throughout the signature of God through the whole Bible made in his image. Do we know him? 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, and we all with unveiled face behold the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. That's my king. Do you know him? So these things must remain, faith, hope, and love. I love this. Martin Luther King states in his writings, there's three conversions, which I think are radical. It's messed me up. It says, first, it's your heart. So when you, get, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, our heart starts to be transformed. It's a heart thing. The second conversion is your head. You start thinking different. Starts here, moves to your head, you start thinking different. Some people get stuck here, they... They start getting caught up in the world. There's a battle, and I call it the 18-inch battle between your heart and your head. We, want, we know, but we're not thinking our conversion. There's not a conversion of our thinking, so we stay stuck. And then we live in this perpetual frustration. So how do we translate? I promise you it's about getting around other people. You've been around the world for how old are you? 20 years, 30 years, 40 years? You've been indoctrinated by what the world says so get around. Some of you are like, man, why do you go to church twice on a Sunday? Because I need it. Now you're doing three times on a Sunday? Yeah, if we had a fourth service, I'd be doing four. Why do you go to our, all our old DNA classes that I hope we're bringing back in the name of Jesus? Come on, Alex, you got influence there. <laughs> Prophesy. They were the DNA. We are going to DNA marriage, DNA evangelism, DNA preaching, DNA, everything was DNA in this church. I was in everything. Because I want to know, DNA finances. My finances sucked. Why don't I get the DNA what the word of God says? How many know I did? And that's why things changed. Do you know him? That's my king. And the last one is three. What changes your heart, your head, the last conversion is your purse or the way you look at, view at money. It's amazing how we can get the first two right and then we get blessed with money and all of a sudden you start to see some old beliefs that come up on the inside of you. I watch people that when they didn't have much, they gave but then when they got a lot more, they didn't give because now I guess the game changed. But it's actually, no, their head started changing and then their heart started changing. Trusted them. I know people that are like, man, we finally got that thing and then move or they finally got this. And it's just amazing how the enemy works overtime. And it's really, I've preached on it before, it's the spirit of mammon. And there's two sides of that mammon coin. There's the side of poverty and the side of materialism. So once you get breakthrough in poverty mentality, then he'll try to mess you up on the spirit of materialism. The devil doesn't care which way you go. He just wants you to get tied up in that spirit of mammon somewhere. That's a whole nother side preach. But I will say Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters for either will hate one and love the other or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon because mammon is a spirit. It's a spirit of mammon has nothing to do with it. And it says, for the love of, we get twisted in that spirit. Do a study on it. 
but God does not need good doers. You know, it's like do-gooders. Rather, he needs those who do it his way. So what's his way? Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What's that mean? It means his way of doing things. And all these things, not some of them, not most of them. It's, uh, everybody say all, come on. But, and all these things will be added unto you. I can tell you in my Christian walk that this has been the most revelational for me right now. It's amazing. God would have me do little hurdles and I jump a little hurdle. I'll be like so proud of myself, give myself a little, it was a little hurdle and my faithfulness would grow. But how many know that, you know, when you level up your game, how many know that hurdle at some point gets a little bit bigger than you're comfortable with jumping? Why could I trust them when it was a little hurdle? It's like I put some plates on the other day and I was lifting it and I wasn't intimidated by it. But then when I came out and I put bigger plates on, I was like, man, I think I need a spotter. <laughs> and it's amazing how I started having this internal game with how I was just gonna increase weight, whether I had a spot or whether I don't. How I trusted God when I had a little bit of money, but now that I have a lot more money, it's, can I still trust him? You know, when I had no kids, you know, how was my prayer life versus one kid versus three kids? <laughs> In business, when I had a small little practice, it was just myself, could I trust him? And God starts asking me to ask keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger on this journey because he's trying to grow me. He's trying to stretch me. He doesn't want me to stay the same Matt Hubbard as I was last year, as the same as I was two years ago. But it's amazing. He challenges me. Do you trust me? Even recently, listen, don't look at me like I'm any different than you. I'm still in the trenches. He's asking me, to do. can you bless somebody and not make it about you? Do you trust me? Can you let someone follow their dreams even though they're really good at helping you live your dream. Do you trust me? That's my king. Do I know him? These are questions I ask every day. Yeah, God, I trust you. Then this is what I want you to do. That's called obedience. That hurdle's big. See, when it was smaller, it's like, oh, but this could change my life. And then all the insecurities come up. And the all what if, would have, could have, should have start coming up in my life. And then do I really trust him? Or am I seeking first the kingdom of God? Let me tell you, I had a real challenge and I had to realize, well, is it all about his kingdom or my kingdom? Because I built up my kingdom pretty good and I'm comfortable. Am I still pursuing his kingdom? I'm dealing with the same questions we all have. And my question is, God, I have to trust you. I have to trust you. So I'm gonna do radical things that show that I'm gonna be obedient and I know God's gonna bless me. And he has. But it's because I'm on the same journey. See, the world says follow your heart. But Jesus showed us our heart is the follower. Decide what you treasure and your heart will follow. Do you get that? I'm gonna say that again. The world says follow your heart. But Jesus showed us our heart can't be trusted to follow. We must decide what you treasure and my heart will follow. I treasure my wife. My heart will follow. I treasure his kingdom. My heart will follow. I'm getting in alignment. Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You must lead your heart. It's amazing. To get out of poverty, 
you gotta lead your way out of there. To stay away from materialism, you gotta lead yourself away from there. See, I lived in the same way. I, I, I'm a goal setter. I got my first Porsche. I was so pumped. I drove the socks off that thing for two and a half years. And then one day, the Holy Spirit said, does that Porsche got you or do you still got the Porsche? And I didn't know. I loved it. And I realized, man, what got me here was a drive on the inside. It was my dream car my whole life. But now that I got it, am I getting caught up into materialism and fear of the Lord? And I was praying and God says, can you sell it? I don't know. Do I have to? <laughs> and the truth is, he never answered that question. Gave me a free will. But I was nervous that that Porsche had me. So I sold it. And I'm telling you, blessing and blessing and blessing followed after that decision. Did I miss it? I'm not going to be an idiot. Of course you miss a 911 convertible in San Diego. But you know what? The blessing far outweighed it. And the truth is, I was, I was giving myself attaboys every day going, yeah, attaboy. I did that. I did that. My uncle thought I was crazy. My friends thought I was crazy. All my non-Christian successful entrepreneurs said, you did what? Why would you do that? They didn't get it. But it became part of my testimony. And they've watched the fruitfulness, they've watched the blessing, they've watched all the things that follow, and I know it's because of the obedience. So what are my goals? To be a good steward, hence the parable of the talents. Why does God give you that? It's in Matthew 25, 14 through 30. You should study it. He's showing you his kingdom template for being a good steward. And number two is be generous. I couldn't sit here, I'd waste the rest of my preaching time of all the scriptures based on having a spirit of generosity on the inside of you. Yeah. So if you just have two things, that's my goal, be a good steward, follow the talents, the parable of the talents, that's his kingdom set up for you. And the number two is be generous, guess what? That's called, I'm living God's template for stewardship. That's kingdom living. In Matthew 6, 33, again, if we could just memorize this by the end of the year. It's so easy. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I'm gonna say it again. That means his way of doing things. I promise you, everything else will be added. Why do I keep saying this? Because we have to teach people as Christians what that really means. Because the world is, what do you mean seek first? It doesn't say, I hear Christians all the, well, if it's God's will. It doesn't say seek first the will of God. I got I to gotta call Christians out on this because I have too many Christians. Well, if it's will, I'll have this. If it's his will, I'll have that. I'm not questioning his sovereignty, but when you play that card, it's a justification for you to stay broke, stay single, stay lame. And I know too many like that. He said, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Most men are seeking wealth next job, their wife, and so on. They're not seeking first the kingdom. They're seeking first all these other things. But if we seek first the kingdom, all those other things will be added. It's what's learned in my life. Proverbs teaches, if I had a chair up here, there's four legs on that chair. Literally, this is what I've learned. Their wisdom, maturity, leadership, they all work together. Which chair are you sitting in? How are the legs, if you're going into 2020, how are those legs of self-discipline, of wisdom, leadership, and maturity, how do they look on a scale of one to 10? What do you need to strengthen on that chair? Is it wobbly? This is just a kingdom chair, if you will, that we're all sitting in. 
We're made in the image and likeness of our Father who's given us these things to walk in authority of self-discipline. It's one of the greatest things that I had to overcome. Do I have self-discipline? And I challenge myself. I've got a little sloppy in my eating habits, hence I'm gonna get self-discipline going into the new year. Lost 26 pounds because I got self-discipline because I'm made in the image and likeness of God. This is my temple that he gave me. Am I gonna preach it or am I gonna be a doer of the word, not just a hearer? Wisdom, am I seeking wisdom? I love it because Pastor Jurgen, man, you wanna look at my one-year Bible compared to Pastor Jurgen's? Mine looks like it's an ornament. His looks like tore up from the floor up. I got convicted. Why does he have so much more biblical wisdom than me? Because guess what? That's all he is, is seeking the kingdom, seeking the kingdom. I realize I gotta level up my word game because that brings spiritual maturity, which makes me a better leader. Wisdom. God is looking for sons and daughters in the earth who will make it their business, will make their marriage, will make their finances about him doing it his way. And then you watch to see the byproduct of it. We have two choices. We can either hear something and make a shift, or we can hear something and do nothing. What are you gonna do in 2020? I love the brother of Jesus, James. He said, do not just be hearers, but doers. He said that in James 1, 2, and the NLT says this, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. So it just makes a whole nother me. I'm gonna get a shirt. My next shirt's gonna say, make shift happen. Because you can hear something and make a shift or do nothing. I'm gonna make a shift. I do it every single year. I wanna do it every single quarter. What do we need to shift going into 2020? Just think about it. This isn't judgment. I'm not preaching a judgy message. I just know I fly by two engines. I have strategic with his methods and intentionality. See, I, have, I know a lot of people that have good intentions, but they have the wrong methods. So they're living in a life of wheel spin. They, all of you have this heart. You want to pursue God. You want to do You have these great intentions, but your methods are messed up. What are you willing to do to challenge your message, methods, which comes down to a belief system? But why don't we get in alignment with my king? Do you know him? So I, based on my strategy, I think to myself, what do I need to do to be intentional about this? I've always said anything worth doing, I like overdoing it. Hence, so I gained 26 pounds. I was overdoing a few things. I always realize this is the, the world says, uh, have, you know, when I have it, then I'll do it, then I'll be it. And then I preached a message a couple weeks ago on be, do, have. And I really feel like the Holy Spirit was saying, no, you need to think first. You need to think you gotta get your healthy thinking and then you'll be things and then you'll do it. And then on the do part of it, that's called growth. What are you gonna do this year that grows you? What is something you're gonna be intentional about that's gonna grow you as a human being? So I have to think healthy, so I have to rewire, go study Carolyn Leaf, go get all her stuff, go read it, devour it, own it, so you get your thinking right, so then you realize, oh, now I can be balanced, I can do growth, and then you can just learn how to have it and navigate it. I don't have it perfect. I'm working this thing out as I go. I just know God says, be faithful in this last thing where I was trying to bless somebody, and just said, don't worry about you, worry about blessing them. 
Well, I want to worry about me, Lord. What about my comfort? What about this? No, bless them. I'll worry about taking care of you. Seek first me. Bless them. Watch what I do for you. How messed up is that? But I want to live that way because I know what the blessing is on the other side of it. I'm watching it in the fruit of those people that are living kingdom first. I'm not just going to go kingdom first. I'm hoping. Hope's not a good strategy if you're going to take a territory. I'm going to be intentional and line up my methods and my intentions with that. I'm about to get here. I love this Pastor Keith Kraft who coaches me and slaps me and emotionally beats me. But he says, we do not have a great work ethic. We have a great life ethic. Think, be, and do. And I always say how you do anything is how you do everything. It's amazing. I, I wrote this in there. Many, I, someone the other day is like, you don't even get what I go through. And I said, what? And they go, you don't even understand challenges like I do. I'm thinking to myself, yeah, bro, I do. I've just learned how to struggle better than you. And I don't talk about it. All right, number two, because I got to give you this real quick. I'm so much trouble. I have to give this to you. I'm sorry. It's talking about hope two ways. Here, here I'm going to give you this template. Believe what God says. Remember, we talked about that. Two, what we decide that gives life meaning. Um, hope does not stand on the problems of life. It's anchored in the promises of God. Yeah. I'm going to say that again because hope does not stand on the problems of life. It's anchored in the promises of God. You got to really go do this own study on your own. But then the first page of the Bible, okay, the first one is just seek first the kingdom. Point number two is here's the formula. This is how you get your hope back. In the Bible, the phrase, then God said, is used nine different times. The number nine means finality, fruitfulness, and fullness of time. How many want it? You guys want it? We got to bust this out fast. You guys ready? Come on, grab yourself a straw, let's go. Here we go. I don't even have time to read it. It's Genesis. Do we have Genesis 1? Oh, shoot, my keys are up. Come on. That is unbelievable. Then God said, pause the keys. Um, it's okay, I'm gonna go, here we go. I'm gonna give you seven real quick, ready? This is your formula. I'm sorry, I gotta teach this. We're going into 2020. Okay, number one, then God said, let there be light. God created light so we could dispel darkness. That means awaken vision, okay? Number two, he created the atmosphere. This is when he, he said this, okay? And that means he separated. So God created atmospheres, the heavens, so we can flourish in every area of our life, culture. He created an atmosphere, a culture so we can flourish in. Number three, structure. God created structure. He formed the earth so we could build whatever we want. Yes. Seek first the kingdom. We're builders. We're producers. But there's a structure to what he's doing. He created light for vision, atmosphere for cultures so we can flourish, structure because we're gonna build something amazing. Order is number four. God created order, the sun, the moon, the stars, to rule over the earth and govern the seas, the seasons. So our rhythm will produce the right rhyme. Do you get it? It's a rhythm and a rhyme. There's an order. Number five, way to record. That's smart. Number five, movement. God created motion. Every living thing that moves so we could be unstoppable. God created motion. 
movement. Number six, and then God said, he created man, which refers to, if you do a study, relationships. God created relationships. We are made in his own image and likeness for those relationships so we can multiply in good things. Do you get it? Okay. And then number seven is rest. He created the Sabbath which means to be in blessing and be sanctified in it. And that's where we learn how to honor. We rest, we learn what honor looks like. Go do a study on that. But I care about the six. You ready to understand the formula? I'm gonna mess you up right here. You ready? Begin with number six. Whatever's not working in your life, go to the previous one. So if you got relationship problems, if they're not working, go to movement. If things are not moving in the right direction, then go to order. If things are not in the right order, then go to structure. If things aren't structured right, then go look at the atmosphere that you're living in. I just wanna, I just wanna show you that. So wherever something's going on in your life, I want you to go to God's kingdom structure and find out my relationships, let's look, and we'll go all the way down the order, and even if you've lost your vision, you gotta start at the very top. Your relationships will never get right if you're number one, let there be light. Awakened vision isn't right. Does this make sense? So you're worried about your relationships, you're gonna go spend all this money on counseling, which I do and I agree with, but why don't we just look at God's structure first and find out where we're out of alignment, and let's get that right, and then all these things shall be added unto you because we're seeking the kingdom right. This is God's way. It's his structure. And point number three, he's my king. Do you know him? Jesus. And there's just one verse you need to know. In Isaiah 9, 6 and 7, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on your shoulders. No, it doesn't say that, it says his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. He's here to counsel us. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. Do you have peace in your life? He's my king, do you know him? He will rule with fairness, and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all of eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. That's my king. Do you know him? Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to c3sandiego.com. 